Um, Please remain standing for the reading of the word this morning. Uh, We're going to be reading from Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Uh, Galatians 1, verses 1 through 9. And uh, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Paul, an apostle not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now I say it again, If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. The grass withers and the the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. If you would please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. It's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Well, I can honestly say that it is good to be here this morning. Uh, It has been a long and arduous journey from Augusta, Georgia, here to Little Rock. We are glad that that is over. It is not fun driving a 26-foot long van with a trailer through the rain and uh, with your wife behind you with three kids in the car. So uh, we are glad that that part of the journey is over. Uh, We look forward to being able to, to get into our house tomorrow. Uh, Lord willing. Um, thank you for the welcome that you have given to, to my wife, Stephanie, to our, our sons and daughter, to Elliot, Oliver, and Maddie Grace. We are glad that they are finally here. Um, uh, it has been a very, um, it, it's been very welcoming. You guys have been great to us, and we appreciate that. Uh, the last week or so has been a very, well, more than a week. It's been a very emotional time, probably for the last month or so. Um, Last week, as you guys were um, celebrating uh, Tom's last Sunday, we were celebrating our last Sunday at Redeemer, um, and I'm sure as here, uh, many tears were shed, um, a lot of stories were told, um, but um, like I said, we were just glad to be here this morning, and uh, we were excited to see what God will be doing here in Trinity, in our lives, and uh, what we can do here for the kingdom. So, as we begin our time together, we're going to be starting off in the book of Galatians. 
And one of the reasons why I felt called to the book of Galatians is, honestly, there's one reason. It's because of the gospel. The gospel uh, is very clearly portrayed in the book of Galatians. Paul very clearly and passionately lays out his gospel. And I figured there was no better way to start our time together than with the gospel. There literally is nothing more important for a church, whether it's Redeemer or whether it's Trinity. There's nothing more important than the gospel. Last week, uh, as I was wrapping up, um, not only was it a very emotional time, it was also a very busy time. We were doing our spring retreat last weekend, and so it was my last time with the youth group there. And one of the things I talked to them about was um, just reiterating to them my, my philosophy for ministry and how I approached the youth ministry there. And one of the verses that I read to them was from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. And this is what Paul says. It says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. And him crucified. So we did not have the flashiest youth group there. I'm not the most extroverted person. I'm not necessarily wild and crazy. Uh, sometimes youth pastors can be. Um, but I told them that what I wanted every, every week, every time that we met, it was going to be about Jesus. That they were going to hear the gospel and Lord willing grow and deepen their faith. Um, like I said, it was nothing flashy, um, but it was solid. Uh, I actually had a parent tell me one time that their student didn't want to come anymore because we were spending too much time talking about Jesus. And I said, well, I'm sorry, uh, that's what we're going to do. So if they don't want to come because we talk about Jesus, then maybe another youth group would be better for them. But we're going to talk about Jesus in youth group. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Jesus here, because this is the church of Jesus Christ. We are here because of the gospel and about Jesus. And if it's ever about anything else other than Jesus, then we need to be corrected. So, as we start off in the book of Galatians, and as we march our way through, uh, we need to know a little bit about the history of this church here in Galatia. First of all, it was planted by Paul. He's the one writing this letter to the Galatians, and it was planted on one of his early missionary journeys. He visited many churches in southern Galatia. Uh, this is in a region. Uh, Galatia is not a city. It is a region in Asia Minor, and there were many cities that he visited there planting churches. And as was typical in Paul's ministry, what he would do, he wasn't just a missionary. He was a church planter. So he would go, he would speak to the Jews, tell them that Jesus Christ is in fact the Messiah, and if Jews would not listen to him, then he would go to the Gentiles. And he would plant churches everywhere that he went. And as was typical, he planted many churches in the region of Galatia. But as he planted a church, he would set up elders there, and then he would move on, because this was his gift of starting churches. And as he moved on in the Galatian churches, people came in and backfilled. They came in his place, 
And what they were doing is that they were preaching a gospel that was different than the one that Paul had presented originally. These people were called Judaizers. So at this point in history, Christianity is still very young. Jesus had uh, been crucified and resurrected maybe 15 or 20 years at the most um, previously. Believers are still trying to grasp the basic truths of Christianity, understanding what this is all about. For some Jews who have converted to Christianity, it's hard for them to let go of their their Jewishness, their heritage. They firmly, um, they held on to that because it was a part of who they were. And as these people came in, these Judaizers, they were preaching a gospel that in order to be a Christian, you also had to be a Jew. In other words, the gospel meant believing in Jesus, but also obeying the law. These people, these Judaizers, quickly moved into the Galatian churches after Paul had moved on. And once Paul found out what was going on, he wrote this letter that was circulated among the churches there in Galatia. Um, As we will see from this letter, he is pretty indignant. This is one of his more passionate letters, um, as we will see quite often. And the reason that he is so passionate is because he's writing this gospel for two reasons. One, he is defending the gospel itself. To Paul, and honestly in reality, for all of us, the gospel is of utmost importance. So when the gospel comes under attack, uh, Paul needs to do something about it. Because if you change the gospel, you lose the gospel. And if you lose the gospel, you lose everything. Paul did not want that to happen in these Galatian churches. But not only is he writing to defend the gospel, he's also writing to defend himself. These Judaizers were not only attacking what Paul had said, they were attacking him personally. And as we see in verse 1 here, Paul calls himself an apostle. He has to defend himself and his authority. And he does it uh, in a very profound way, in a way that you really can't argue with. Because he says that he is an apostle not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. How can you argue with someone who says that their authority as an apostle comes from God? There is no higher authority. But what these Judaizers were saying, and what Paul has to defend himself against, is that they were saying that Paul's gospel is just that. That it is Paul's Gospel, But as we will go through this letter, we'll see how Paul defends this gospel that he preaches, that it's not his own, not one that he has made up. In fact, it comes down from the Lord, in fact, from Jesus himself. Paul didn't make it up. These words are not his own. He has received it from above, and therefore he is an apostle. But Paul is very, very passionate in Galatians. Extremely passionate. And he begins with a very emotional introduction. It's unlike any other letter that he writes. Usually what he does, he, he extends a greeting of grace and peace to his hearers. Um, and he usually has this long passage of thanksgiving for what God is doing in their lives. And it's, it's very touching. 
But he doesn't do that with Galatians. He begins very promptly with admonishment. He starts off in verse 6. He says, I am astonished. Basically what he's saying is, how could you guys? Um, He doesn't pull any punches in this letter. He clearly displays his passion for the gospel and for the people that he is writing to. And he's doing this because he genuinely cares about them. And he cares about the gospel. So the problem that we're going to be seeing in the book of Galatians is this distorted gospel. This gospel that it's Jesus and what he has done for us and following the law. But Paul is going to correct that thinking. He's going to present the solution to this problem that they have. And the solution is the pure gospel. The one that they were Uh, that they had received originally, that Paul had preached to them. So the solution to the problem is the gospel. So even in this short passage, these nine verses that we read this morning, Paul clearly defines the gospel. And as we go through Galatians, we'll be defining the gospel often uh, and what it really is. Um, Tim Keller came out with a commentary on the book of Galatians recently called Galatians for You. Um, And this is the way that he summarizes Paul's gospel, which once again is not Paul's gospel, but it is the gospel. He says it in this way. The gospel is the message that we are more wicked than we ever dared to believe, but more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared to hope. So the message of the gospel, we can start off with us and who we are. Because we are lost and helpless. We are lost and in need of rescue. If you look at verse 4 in Galatians chapter 1, Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ and he says, The Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Jesus didn't just come as a teacher, as some like to describe him as. He didn't come just to tell us what we need to do to be saved. He didn't come just to demonstrate to us God's love. No, our situation is much more desperate. We don't need to be told what to do. We need deliverance. Because of our sin, we cannot rescue ourselves. But what Christ has done is he has come to rescue us, to deliver us from our sins. So the gospel starts with our depravity. It starts with our sin. But the gospel doesn't just end there, thankfully. Um, It's also about what Jesus did. It's about substitutionary atonement. It's about Christ taking our place. Verse 4 also describes what what Jesus did for us and the fact that he did it all. Jesus gave himself completely for our sins. He took our sins upon himself. He took our place. He took our punishment through his death. On the cross, and he satisfied the wrath of God in our place for 
us. And because Jesus has done it for us, we are free. Elsewhere, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 about this freedom. And he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So we are lost and we are helpless. But Jesus has come, taken our place, and he has rescued us. And now we are free. And what this results in, not only in our freedom, but it results in grace and peace. Verse 3 in Galatians 1 says, Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We now have peace with God and grace from God. So what we're going to see in the book of Galatians as we march our way through, we're going to notice that the order of the gospel is very key. The order is is that God did it and we respond. It is God who acts on our behalf. The message of the gospel is not that we are good enough. In fact, it's while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The order of the gospel is very important because if anything comes in front of God or if anything is added to what Christ has done, then the gospel itself is lost. Because any revision to the gospel is actually a gospel reversal. If you say like the Judaizers were saying that, yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but you also need to follow the law, then suddenly it's not about Jesus anymore. It's about our good works. It's not about what Jesus has done. It's about what we do. But the gospel is never about our own righteousness. It's about Christ's righteousness. Because anytime we add anything to the gospel, it becomes a gospel of works righteousness, where we have to work to attain our righteousness before God. The book of Galatians played a major part in the Reformation. It played a huge part in Luther's life as he read through Galatians and he came face to face with this gospel of grace and not of works. In his preface to his commentary on Galatians, Luther writes this about our works righteousness. He says, There is no middle ground between Christian righteousness and works righteousness. There is no alternative to Christian righteousness but works righteousness. If you do not build your confidence on the work of Christ, you must build your confidence on your own works. And this is what Paul is passionately defending here. That it's not based on our own works. That it's based on Christ's work. So as we go through Galatians, we're going to see several things. And the most important of which is the gospel. And I want you to be on guard as hearers. 
Because as Paul says here, uh, if I or anyone else preaches a gospel that is contrary to what we find in the scripture, let me or anyone else who fills this pulpit be eternally condemned. Paul uses the Greek word anathema here. Um, let a curse be upon them. There's nothing, nothing worse, literally, than preaching a false gospel, than leading people astray with uh, something other than the true, pure gospel. And I pray that the gospel will be the foundation of everything that happens here at Trinity. The ministries, VBS, uh, everything that happens would be, uh, have the foundation of the gospel. Because if it's not about the gospel of Jesus Christ, then literally what is the point? Why do we meet? Why do we do these things? Why are we here if it's not about promoting the gospel? And with Paul... It is okay for us to get emotional over the gospel. And it's good for us to be passionate about it and to passionately defend it. Um, one of the things that you don't know about me, but you will, um, it will become painfully evident very early on, uh, is that I am a very emotional person. Um, I'm sure it embarrasses my wife sometimes. But... Um, um, I may shed a tear while I'm up here. Um, I may break down. There may be times when it gets a little awkward, and you'll just have to bear with me. Um, I think I get it from my mother, maybe. <laughs> but um, uh, it's okay for us to be passionate and get emotional about the gospel. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Our greatest need has been taken care of because of Christ and his work on the cross. And if there is anything that we can get passionate about, uh, it should be about the gospel. So, I apologize in advance. There will be times where I will get emotional and may shed a tear or two because the gospel is that important. So our call this morning is to repent and to believe the gospel. One of the reasons that we have corporate confession and assurance of pardon week in and week out is because we are sinners who are in need of God's grace. And we need to be reminded of the gospel, not only on a weekly basis, but on a daily basis. Sometimes on an hourly basis, maybe even minute by minute. Um, and what we have this morning, we have a special invitation to the Lord's Supper. This is a visible demonstration of the gospel, of what Christ has done for us in his death. That his body was broken, that his blood was poured out for us. He did this on our behalf. He did what we could not do. And I pray that week in and week out we would be able to repent and believe the gospel. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, uh, we do thank you for your gospel that through the Lord Jesus Christ, he was given for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to your will. That he did for us what we could not do. Lord, we repent of the ways that we distort the gospel, that we try to add to the gospel, just like the Judaizers in Galatia. 
And I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, help us to keep the gospel pure. That it's not about who we are and what we do, but it's about Christ and what he has done. Heavenly Father, we give this to you. We pray that you would work this in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.